Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by our guest speaker. Amen. Well, this, this whole service has had a real a theme that goes right with what the Lord put on my heart to share with you guys. And as you know, we're doing two months of messages on the Holy Spirit. And it really takes that just to crack the surface, really, because he is so overwhelmingly wonderful as far as all the things that he does for us and all the things that he is for us in these times. And uh, if I had to call this message anything, I'd call it Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does when he comes into us. He gives us hope, and he is the hope of God, of the Godhead, for what he'll do in us if we let him. Now, you heard from Jack and Sandy. They have given you great examples of saying, yes, Lord, we don't know. We don't know where this is going to go, but yes, Lord, we'll go. And he has taken care of it. Jill gave you wonderful examples of that very thing. And I thought she was going to preach my message because one of the things I'm going to talk about is the Holy Spirit um, in the beginning. But I want us to look first at where the theme comes from. It's Colossians 1, 26 and 27. And I don't know if we'll have the slides. Please pray for poor Judy. She needs deliverance for trauma, I'm sure, because I think I counted, what, five times you've had to shut down the computer and restart. And that's not normal, but hey, when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, nothing's normal <laughs> when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So in Colossians 1, 26 and 27, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from the ages... And from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's where we got the the scripture from. I'm trying to get my timer to work. There it goes. Now, we all know about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, right? Acts chapter 2, which was connected to uh, the prophetic word of Joel, uh, that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And we know the results of that. Mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire, uh, the disciples, the 120 who were in there getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, And what it did was, though, because Christ was now in them, these men who had been hiding behind locked doors for the fear that they were under of everything was going on around them, suddenly changed to the point that Peter, who had denied the Lord three times, was able to walk out, I'm not afraid, because I have the Holy Spirit, and was able to walk out and preach a message that 3,000 people got saved. It's kind of like a 1,000 for every time he denied the Lord, you know. I keep doing this because it's like the sun's in my face. Um, 
But anyway, that was uh, something that, that happened that re was revealed, being revealed because up until this time when the Holy Spirit really fell for believers, the Holy Spirit had not been poured out on all people. And I want to talk about that in a minute. So let's pray and then we'll get right into the message. Holy Spirit, you are here. You have been here since the time that first chord was struck in worship. And you've been leading us and guiding us and bringing us into more and more of your presence. Lord, we thank you for your glory. Lord, this whole time of these two months of messages, Lord, let it become clear to everyone who you are and why you have come and what you can do if we allow you in us and go out through us by just saying yes. So, Lord, we just look to you even today for you to take my words. And as you promise that when we get up, you will multiply those words. And, Lord, that you will speak through us. So speak through me today, Father, so that every heart here and those watching online can have a better understanding and a foundation of you, Holy Spirit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So my first point I want to talk about is that the Holy Spirit has always been around. Now, you kind of know that, but I want to show you kind of how that was all working, and this is where Jill comes in in Genesis. So Genesis 1, 1 to 3, we're going to look at that, uh, which is what Jill was reading. And it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So first of all, I want to stop there and say God was involved because he's the creator. So if ever anything happens that's created, he is the creator. Man is only able to recreate something that God has already created or puts into your spirit to create. Life and everything comes from God. He is the creator. The earth was without form, which basically means chaos. And it was void, which means it was unfruitful at the time. And there was darkness. There was no light anywhere in this uh, earth that was there. And, and the Holy Spirit uh, was, was on the face of the deep, was where the darkness was. And the Spirit was, as Jill said, hovering. And part of that word kind of means, as a mother hen does, where you've ever seen where she fluffs out her feathers and she covers all the eggs or all the little chicks go running in under it. This is kind of how what Holy Spirit was doing. He was hovering over the face of all of this chaos, all of this unfruitfulness, and all of this darkness. And that in of itself is prophetic of what he always is able to do. Because when the Holy Spirit came, we know that it all got changed. So where there was chaos, we get order. Where there was unfruitfulness, we get fruit. And where there is darkness, we get light. So whenever the Holy Spirit comes and we allow him to brood over us, manifest on us, manifest in us or through us, those are guarantees of things that will always come from what the Holy Spirit is doing. And then it says that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so now we see that in this comes Jesus along, because you're saying to yourself, well, if there's always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where was Jesus in this process? Because we're talked about God created, and we talked about the Holy Spirit. Well, in John 1, 1 to 5, 
we find out what was going on, how the three worked together. In the beginning was the Word. So in the beginning, in Genesis, God said, let there be light. And when God spoke, it was really Jesus being manifested as the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is just as much involved in what's going on here as the Holy Spirit. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made, what? Through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So have you ever tried to talk to someone who really hasn't been saved, and they're walking in the darkness, and you're trying to teach or talk about spiritual things, and they just don't get it. They can't comprehend it because they're in the darkness. But we are promised that with the Holy Spirit, we can actually have an understanding of the words just like God had. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. God will give us words to bring light to those in darkness. And they will be able to comprehend it. Because when you look up the original of the word comprehend it, it means they can't, be, they can't overcome that darkness. So when it's presented to them, it's there. Think about this. If we would darken this to room totally, black out, you know, put tape over the windows and around the bottoms of the doors, and it was pitch black, and you couldn't see anything. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. If I would strike a match or turn on the little light on my camera, on my phone, what happens to the darkness? Anybody? It lights up, but what happens to the darkness? It, it gets pushed back. Darkness can never overcome light. One little tiny speck of light can overcome massive darkness because of the power of what's behind it, and that's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about and we sing about and we worship about is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So all of the power that created the earth all of the power that brought light out of darkness, all the power to make stars, suns, moons, trees, birds, fishes, you name it, every bit of thing that's still being created, Holy Spirit did that. And he chooses to come and take up residence in here. So we have that Christ in us, his Holy Spirit ability. So think about that. If you are dealing in a horrible situation like Joe was saying where they come back and they have no house to, to live in at the moment and they got kids and they're sleeping on the pews of the church, what's God need to do? He needs to open a way up, doesn't he? And God will do that and has done that and will continue to do that. Now, I want to talk for a minute and move on. This is kind of like a, a Holy Spirit 101 in a sense. 
In Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit helped out to keep things moving for God's plans. You see, the Holy Spirit has been here since Genesis. But back then, how did people get saved, or did they get saved in the Old Testament? This is interactive here. People talk to me. They had faith, but did they have, what did they have to do for sin? Sacrifices, continual sacrifices, sacrifices that had to be um, on a regular basis to cover for sin because there was no covering that was going to be lasting. So they're constantly in the state of that. And so there wasn't at any point where they could be redeemed in the sense of how we are, thank God, with Jesus. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would need to do something to help out God and his people. And so he would come upon people. And he would come upon them, not as in upon us or in us, but he would come upon them to enable them to do what they needed to do. And so when he came upon them, he would uh, do various things, whatever was needed that God needed them to do. So for example, we know of Joseph. It tells us in um, Genesis 41 that the Holy Spirit came on Joseph. Now Joseph, what did he do? People? Well, he uh, had prophetic sight, right? He was able to have dreams. But what happened? God needed him to be able to be moved to another place so that when the famine came and all those things happened in the land, there would be a covering and a way to provide for God's people. So he was on him to help him and have favor. Jill talked about favor in her um, things with Grange. With Joseph, who did he have favor with? He had uh, favor with Pharaoh. He actually had favor with Potiphar until his wife uh, lied about him or whatever, but he had favor in jail. He was always having favor, and that was the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a, a man, um, and I'm kind of like Jill with how to say the names. Um, maybe Gary can help me. Bezalel, Bezalel. Am I saying that right? B-E-Z-A-L-E-L. -E -E you may not know who he was, but when God wanted the ark and the tabernacle and all that stuff built, uh, he didn't have uh, engineers. He didn't have companies like we have today. He had to give creativity of how to build what he wanted to build, how to put it together, how to mold it out of uh, gold, how to build sticks, how to put those a weavings together that were all there together. And so this man and the other craftsmen, the Holy Spirit came on them and enabled them to do this. We know about the judges. All, like many of the judges, had the Holy Spirit come on them, including Samson. You know the story of Samson, who didn't do so well with Delilah, right? But he had that a, a supernatural ability of strength. And he also, in the end, was able to redeem himself. But even the Holy Spirit was upon him and used him. And we know of Saul, who was king, who prophesied. And we know of David, who uh, did amazing things in, in, with the kingdom. So all of these things were part of how the Holy Spirit was operating back then. But it still wasn't what God wanted. God wanted to be able to come into us permanently and stay. And so he had a plan, of course. And who was on the horizon that was going to come and take care of the sacrifice once and for all? 
Jesus. That's right. And so let's kind of go into that now, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and how this all works. First of all, let's start at the cross, okay, with Jesus. In John 19, verses 28 and verses 30, we're going to take a look at those. And it said, after this, are we there? No, not yet. Okay. Yeah. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, meaning I've done it all. I've crossed all the T's. I've dotted all the I's. I've fulfilled everything that has been prophesied from the beginning about me. I've done it all. He said, it's finished. There's no more to be done. And bowing his head, he did what? He gave up his spirit because he was no longer going to be the vessel that was having the Holy Spirit in him. See, Jesus, now I want you to think about this. When Jesus came to earth and he was born um, as a baby, he gave up all of his supernatural abilities. And so everything he did from the time he grew up and started in ministry, he got those abilities or he got the insights or he got the words or he got whatever it was he needed because he had learned how to plug in with the Holy Spirit in him to the Father. Now, this is important because when he gives up his spirit for us later to have through Pentecost, everything Jesus learned how to snuggle in to God, how to get what he needed from God, how to know how God felt about him in those times that he was unsure. All the times he needed to have power, which he was just a man and didn't have, but he needed a supernatural connection to multiply loaves and fishes. He needed people who were able, he needed it within him that ability of the Holy Spirit to deal with people, deal with deliverance, deal with situations, all of that was done through the Holy Spirit. And in those three years, he was learning all of his whole life up to that point of the three years of ministry. He had learned how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit as a simple person, as a human being. Now, what this means is that when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, none of that has gone away. All of that is there for us as well. So all of the information, all the learning, all the understanding of how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, all the things that were done is available to us individually. And this is why when Christ is in us, it is the hope of glory because it's if Christ could take through the power of the Holy Spirit that he learned to work with within himself, if he and 12 disciples could, as the scripture says, turn the world upside down, what would happen if all of us here in the room today, everybody who's listening online, would understand that within you, if you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have the power, 
the knowledge, the source, all the things that you need to accomplish what he did. And he also said, and greater what? Things should we be able to do? Well, how can that happen? Well, if suddenly, instead of me having to relearn all this stuff, if I was being able to be given to it as a download through the Holy Spirit, I've now got centuries of information of things that I can plug into that I don't realize. I just believe it and go with it. And yet it is the power of all those things combined. So he gave up his spirit. And he was doing that so it could be distributed to all of us. So the disciples, now I want to make a distinction here. Up until the time that, that Jesus died, the, the disciples were just like all the people of the Old Testament. But there had to come this new experience of what we call salvation or redemption. And so the disciples, let's look at John 20, verses 19 to 22. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, now this is Jesus after he has already died and been resurrected, okay? First day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be to you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw that it was the Lord, it really was him. And then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he did what? He breathed on them and, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what's the difference between that filling and Pentecost? It's two different things. The disciples needed this first filling with the Spirit. That's what happens to us. That's equivalent to our salvation. When we get saved, we get filled with the Holy Spirit, just like his disciples here did on this. But we know that later there's going to come an actual different infilling. Let's look at Acts 2.38. This is Peter. And he said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall, what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is with salvation. This is what Peter was preaching. See, the gift of that, when the Holy Spirit comes to us in that form at salvation, is what's called a guarantee. And we can uh, see that in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. It's coming up. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed. Are we up there? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee. What that means is, 
a guarantee. It's like it's the purchase price for a down payment. Okay. So the Holy Spirit that we get when we get saved is a measure. It's a, it's a portion of a guarantee for what's to come. It's a purchase of the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of the glory of God. So Jesus was telling his disciples that when they get back, they're going to be commissioned, they're going to be sent out, but he's telling them, you need to tarry for a while till we get all of this together because I'm going to send you a new installment that takes care of everything as far as the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 1, 1 to 8. This is where the disciples are going to get the super empowering, the fullness of the purchase price to be able to do what needs to be done. Now, we're talking disciples who are, they haven't gone to Harvard. They haven't gone to Trinity um, Church or the Trinity College. They haven't taken uh, extra classes from Jack Hayford on how to do any of this stuff. They're just common, everyday people like us who were going to get the Holy Spirit in a package deal that was the encompassing of all the power that changed the face of the earth. All the power and the understanding that connects us in a relationship to the Father just as Jesus had so that we can work into uh, what God has called us to do. In Acts 1, 1 to 8, let's look at that. It says, the former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together, and then he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together and they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? See, they didn't have all the knowledge yet. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that word power there is dunamis. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and so to the ends of the world. Now, I want to bring it back another way for you to get what I'm trying to say here. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? And so Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And in a sense, that's how being born again is. Remember? You, you, don't, you enter into, you can't re-enter into your mom's womb, but you can be born again. It's, it's kind of like that process. So Jesus, in a sense, his salvation 
baptism was when he was conceived and filled to that point. But then we know there came a point that Jesus had to have more. If he was going to start the church from scratch, if he was going to be able to turn the world upside down, he needed himself more just like we do. And that happened, of course, in Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Let's take a look at that. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, water baptism. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him, and when he had been baptized, that we're talking water baptism, when Jesus came up out of the water, behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. This was Jesus' baptism in the Holy Spirit, just like when it happened in Acts, okay? And suddenly, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, the connection here. When we choose to allow ourselves to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is something beyond the initial what we get at salvation. When this infilling comes, it will do just for us what it did for Jesus. It will give us access to open heavens. If, would you call taking some loaves and fishes and dividing them up enough to feed thousands? An open heaven? Yeah. Uh, casting out demons. Speaking to um, lepers and having them, you know, knowing when to do, when to, you know, I would really need the Holy Spirit to speak well if you told me to spit into some mud and smear it on somebody's eyes. But yet, this is how the Holy Spirit was working. And Jesus, it opened up to him an open heaven, Okay. And the next thing it said, you are my beloved son. A lot of us, when we get saved, we have a lot of cleaning up on the inside to do because of what our past. We need to know that we are a beloved of God. When Tim and Jill didn't have a house to move into, they needed reassurance that God loved them and wasn't going to leave them high and dry, sleeping on the pews from, now, from then to now. That their kids weren't going to be raised inside the church like that. They were going to have bedrooms at some point. They needed to know the love of God. When Jack and Sandy were out there and they had this crisis with where they had thought the whole plan was going to develop for the next stage, and they stepped into it. Yes, Lord. You know, they assumed the position. Yes, Lord. And immediately, things began unraveling, and eventually to the place that they're like, what we thought is no more. They needed to know that they were the beloved of God, that they had heard from God, that if they said, yes, Lord, and assumed the position, that he was going to come through for them with something even better. They needed that assurance in that time. They needed to know God is still pleased with you. 
They needed to know that. Tim and Jill needed to know God is still pleased with you. We need to know that when we step out and we get it right, and we need to know it when we step out and get it wrong. That God still loves us, that we're still a favored son or daughter, and that he is still pleased with us, and there's another time. God's a great teacher. As a school teacher, if you failed, too bad, F. God says, well, I'll let you take it again. Oh, failed at that time. Well, you did a little better. Let's try it again. And he will do it over and over as long as we're willing to hang in there with him. See, Jesus had to have a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what happened right after he got his baptism in the Holy Spirit? It says, when you read the scriptures, that the Spirit compelled him, drove him, whatever you want to call it, into the wilderness. Now, anybody in here love the wilderness times? I don't. But I do have to admit that the wilderness times I've had, when I come out, finally, were great lessons learned. But you have to understand that when we say, yes, Lord, we assume the position, we allow him to fill us with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he puts within us everything we need, just like for Jesus. He enabled him to go through the 40 days and the 40 nights. They, he gave him scriptures that popped to his mind. You know, he didn't have his um, phone where he could whip it out and say, wait a minute, Satan, I know there's a good scripture for that one. And put in and then quote the scripture. No, he needed a scripture who popped in his head. Has anybody in here ever had a time when you were at a loss and God popped a scripture in your head that either gave you the peace or the hope or was the answer you needed to say? That is the Holy Spirit at work. And when he came out of that and the temptation and the, with the wilderness, he went into his ministry. God always has a way of bringing us into all that he has for us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The last thing, and then uh, we'll be getting close to the end here for us. Jesus gave everything needed to the church to succeed. That means us, everything we need in this day to succeed, to still change the world and turn it upside down if we that. It's all about when we get this baptism, what are we going to do with it? Are you going to just hold it and let it sit in here? Or are you going to allow it to go out? Difference. That's the question. That's always the question of what we do. Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's just not our hope. It's their hope. Their hope is that when I put the baptism into Gina, not me, but when God puts the baptism into Gina, Gina is going to make a difference in her world. She's going to turn her little piece of the world upside down in some ways. And her ministry to the poor, her ministry to the hurting, to the prostitutes, whatever, she's making a difference the her out to do what God leads her to do with that. He hopes, meaning God, that you will take what you've been freely given and make a difference. See, the problem comes, we get saved, 
and we even get baptism, and then here we are, years later, and what have we done much with it? It is like being able to have within us all the power, all the money, all the information, all the library information, everything you would need to make a difference, and we just lock the door, and we don't let it out. We don't use it. And it's important. He, had, he gave us that for the sole purpose of making a difference in the world. The Holy Spirit makes a way for you to be able to relate to the Father, just like Jesus did. To be able to relate to the Father, because it says Jesus, Jesus never did anything, what? Without hearing or seeing what the Father said to do. Jesus, who was just as limited, just as held back in the sense of what we are in a human form, he was able to do all the things he did because of the power of the Holy Spirit within him. So in a little um, minute here, we're going to do some ministering on the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today and you've never been saved or you're online watching and you've never been saved, we want to make first of all sure that you get saved and that you're able to have Jesus come into your heart and get that initial filling of the Holy Spirit which keeps you and holds on to you and loves you until you can come into the baptism. Some of you here have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it's been a while since you utilized that. You need to reactivate that and get it going forward in your life because there are hurting people out there everywhere you go who need to be able to know something about the Lord or be prayed for or be touched. We were up in Akron yesterday and there was a couple of ladies there and they were talking about their trials through COVID. And I said to them, at, when they got through talking, I said, can we pray for you? And you know, maybe you've had somebody refuse you if you asked if you can pray for them. But I have never yet been refused being able, if you asked if you can pray for them. But I have never yet been refused being able to pray. So I said, can I lay my hand on your arm? Sure. And we began to pray. Now, I didn't know what to pray. But because the Holy Spirit within me does know what to pray, I just had to let him speak to my heart, and I just prayed out what he was leading me to pray. And they were touched, not because of anything I was saying, but because the Holy Spirit knew their needs. You see, the Holy Spirit will give you everything you need to do and be successful. And if you don't, if you don't know how to hear the Holy Spirit, we have helps with Mark Verkler on how to hear from the Holy Spirit. And the more you want to hear, the more you want to yield, the more God will wonderfully come up and begin to speak to you and bring all that out. Some of you may be here and you're saying, well, what about this tongues thing? You know, I don't mind baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to speak in that crazy tongues thing. Well, there's debates one way or the other. But this I know, the Bible tells me that Paul said he spoke in tongues more than anybody. 
And if I had one little measure of the success that Paul had with his life being led by the Holy Spirit, then tongues is pretty important because it enables us in Corinthians to speak to God. I mean, have you ever had a time when words were not enough? And the Holy Spirit, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit just prays through you. You heard singing today. You know, Ian was uh, just expressing things before God because he didn't have the words. The Holy Spirit does all of these things for us. When we're saved, he comes in and dwells in us. And it says that he is that little bubbling up of the spring. When we get filled with the Holy Spirit, he actually indwells us and he overflows us to the point that we become rivers. A river rises up within us. Everything we need for Christ to use us today is in us because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So would you stand? Second Corinthians 13, 5. Hopefully that'll come up. It says, examine yourselves, this is speaking to all of us, as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? So examine. Take a moment. Let's take a moment here. Just close your eyes. Be honest with God and say, God, am I utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit in me in the measure that I need to? Just ask him that, and he'll be faithful to tell you. Can I have the... Um Elders and wives, come up, please, and Jack and Sandy. You have a great, great resource of the Holy Spirit within you. If you have been saved but never baptized, you can get it today. We'll be happy to pray with you here for that. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you haven't been utilizing that power ability in you, then we want to activate that more and ask the Lord to help you use that to be able to reach the world and to turn the world upside down. We want to pray for that. If you've never had a manifestation for tongues, the benefit of tongues, like I said, the devil can't interrupt that. It's a direct line to God. Uh, many things that it does for us. And Paul said, I pray in tongues more than anybody. And he's a good example to follow. If you need a manifestation of your tongues, we'll be able to pray for that. So let's pray for a minute here, and then we're going to have you, if you need any of those, and new, maybe you just need a new topped off. Maybe you've been giving out. Maybe you're using the Holy Spirit to that advantage, and uh, you're a little dry right now because you've been giving out a lot. He can refill you because it's a continual refilling. So, Lord, I pray that everybody here today and those who are listening online 
will realize that Christ is in them and it's the hope of glory for the Lord. It's the hope of glory for them. It's the hope of glory for the uh, people who need to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit that's within them. Lord, I pray that as they have examined themselves, Lord, that if they need a refilling, they need an infilling, they need a release of their tongues, whatever it is, or even salvation, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that today your Holy Spirit will be magnified and every person here will be able to leave here knowing Christ is in them and he is the hope of glory for the world that's out there waiting and needs the love of God shed abroad. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.